I found out last night uh, at our globe party with our kids that there are some children in our nursery that when that music comes on, they're like, no scary music, no scary music. <laughs> Sorry, it is pretty epic, uh, but it's an epic scripture that we're studying. And uh, so I told them, be sure to mute it. As soon as the choir's done, mute it and then turn it back on. They have a TV there um, for our nursery workers to be able to hear. Any other self-professed control freaks in the room? Anybody? You just, I'm, I'm, this is, we can be honest for a moment, right? You just don't like things to be out of control. Am I the only one? I guess I'm the only one in my race. Okay, thank you. Thank you for being honest, which was probably hard for you because you weren't in control of that. I told you to do it. You had to do it. So I didn't think about that until just that moment. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like being put in situations. I don't know how to navigate and figure out. I, I, don't like thinking on my toes and on my feet very much, especially when I was younger. So I'm the kind of guy that looks at nearly every angle of any possible situation to make sure that I can figure out every possible scenario of what could happen and what might happen. I'm that guy. I, 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 don't, like, I don't like anything being out of my control. And so this played out in an interesting way with my buddies who were not like that. Uh, they love to be out of control it seems and so we would do crazy things you know like you know uh, I remember the first time I went skiing and it's just like wait a second I have to get on these two death sticks and uh, and then just go plummet down this mountain and hope that I survive on the way down you know and or we would go and jump off of you know cliffs that were like 100 feet in the air and and you know they all just like no care in the world just go and jump off and I would run up and get them like you know stop right at the edge and I'd have to psych myself up finally I would do it but I had to think about every possible thing that could happen as I am impaled on the rocks below or whatever you know and um but I, I still did it I, I do I have to say that I did most of those things with my buddies who were carefree but I was always the cautious one right I always wanted to make sure everything was going to be okay, and I wasn't going to die, and everything was going to be in my control, right? It's probably because of something that happened to me when I was very young, and the neighbor came to our house with this go-kart that, you know, he and his dad built, which is, you know, red flag number one, right? Red flag number one, he and his dad built this go-kart from scratch, right? Well, everyone else, remember, I'm the cautious one, Everyone else rides it, has a great time. And I'm like, well, I don't want to miss out on this awesome ride in this go-kart. So I get in there. I floor it, man. I'm having the blast of my life. And I realize I've got to turn around and go somewhere else. And I hit those brakes. Nothing happens. And I am just flying at this point. And in the moment, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to die. And so, like, the smartest thing that I could have done was just, like, pull my foot off the gas pedal, right, and just let it die. No, 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 no. See, I panicked, and when I panicked, I said, I'm just going to have to jump out of this going as fast as it's possibly going, to which I did, to which I was in a lot of pain afterwards. So I, I'm, I don't like that feeling of out of control, and that, that is one of those moments that I felt like I had no control. I'm going to die in this death trap, and I can't stop it. It's going as fast as possible, and I have no way to know how to control it. Now, I will say... As I was trying to jump out of it going full speed, I accidentally hit one of the wheels. It flips it around, and it spins really quick, and so I'm able to get out before it takes off again. But um, I don't like that feeling 
of being out of control. And I don't think we like that. And the hard part is things always increasingly seem like they're out of control, don't they, right now, right? I just mean in our world, right? All around us. It's hard because for, for uh, you know, March... <laughs> what 15th 2020 it seems like the world just started spinning and spiraling out of control like a, a worldwide pandemic uh tensions across the world and you know i mean all that finally quote unquote ends right and now there's uh world war three impending and possibly happening it, it seems like everything is out of control and this is not a political statement for one side or the other but it doesn't just seem like no one has a clue what's going on on either side. Am I the only one that feels that way? Right? You watch the news and it's like, oh, they have no idea. And then you watch the news and they're like, oh, they have no idea either. It's just out of control. There's gas prices sky high. Uh, there's a looming war. How will all of this affect the economy? Unprecedented supply chain issues. Tension in our communities. It all seems to be spiraling out of control at all times. And remember, we don't like to be out of control. We like things to be nice, tied up, buttoned up, easygoing, right? Don't worry, I'm going to get somewhere with this, okay? Hang on with me for just a moment of freak-out mode, all right? And then we'll get to what I think we need to see. We don't like that. No, uh, no one likes spiraling out of control and... And no one does, nor have they ever liked that. So we're back in the book of Revelation today. And we, we've studied previously, we took a little break, but we studied previously chapters 1 through 3. And we looked at these churches that were living in the midst of turmoil. These, these, these people, these Christians that were living in the midst of uh, Turmoil and equal amounts are worse for them. They were in the they were in the uh, the the breadbasket, the the cradle of the world, right at the time uh, of the known world, uh, uh, with the, the the influence of Greece, the influence of Rome had come to this place, and uh, you could get uh, get to there from anywhere because of the roads that the Romans built, the shipping, and all all these things was was taking place and happening in this place where these seven churches met, and God sent them a vision and said, "Yeah, it's out of control, and it's only going to get worse." But something else is true. In January, we began looking at these seven churches and the letter that was written to them. And Jesus, through John's vision, was trying to help them to see how they could endure to the end in the midst of their world spiraling out of control. And let's just be honest with ourselves. Not much has changed in nearly 2,000 years. I mean, there's been times and periods of peace or, you know, somewhat okay, um, things were going somewhat okay, but... All in all, the world just is spiraling out of control at times, and things are tough and rough, and it's not any different than what took place then. It's just new for us. It's new to us. And maybe, maybe let's just take for a moment, maybe it's not, you're not as focused on the world around you crumbling to pieces. Maybe it's just in your own life. Maybe health has been a concern, an issue. Maybe 
uh, death or loss of job or strife or maybe even marital issues. At times in our lives, difficulties will come. Failures will happen. Uh, Things will seem to spiral out of control at times. And we all need to hear the same message that Jesus delivered to these group, this group of Christians that their world was spiraling out of control. We need to hear those messages for ourselves. And that's what we said from the beginning of this study of the book of Revelation. It's not necessarily to figure out some hidden code or some amazing thing that you know only the certain uh, of those who are learned and knowledgeable about it can understand. No, the book of Revelation was written to normal, everyday believers who needed, uh, who needed to be uplifted, who needed to understand that God is still in control, even when everything else seems to be falling apart, that God is still God, that Jesus still died, and that he is still alive, as we celebrated last week, and he is more alive and more in control and more in power than he ever has been. We just don't get to see it. And so what John does is he helps us through Jesus' vision, helps us to see behind the curtain of what's happening today in heaven so that we don't have to fret. We don't have to worry about what's happening here in earth. One uh, person I read after said, it's like putting on new glasses to help us to see something that is there, but we can't see unless we have these on. So let's put on the glasses of Revelation 4 today and help us to see what's taking place and what's really real and what we can have confidence in and understand. You see, Revelation 4 and 5, we'll uh, study for two more weeks after this, helps us see what's happening behind the scenes. In chapter 4, we see the control center of the universe, the throne of the Almighty, and He is in perfect control. So let's read it together. If you are able, would you stand? We're going to read Revelation chapter 4. It's a shorter passage, and we want to honor the reading of God's Word. After this, I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. This is John speaking. And the first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, this is Jesus' voice, says, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So Jesus says, Hey, John. I've shown you all this stuff, but I want you to see something else. Let's peek behind the curtain. Let's look at what's happening already. I want you to see it. So John could have the confidence that comes from knowing Jesus is in control. Continues, verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass similar to crystal was also before the throne. That word throne appears more than any other word in the whole passage, in the whole book of Revelation. 
Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was a lion, was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, and they covered their eyes. Uh, they were covering with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, we sang it already today. We joined in with them singing, Holy, holy, holy Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne and the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, thanks be to God. You may be seated. You see, we see this beautiful picture of the Almighty seated on his throne. Jesus tells John, look, behold, look, look what has, what will come, what will happen. Look at what we can see that will give us a, bo- a boost and help us to see what we need to see to be able to go through the hard times in our lives, the difficult times in our lives, to see that, yes, things seem to be out of control around us at times, but in that throne room, with that Almighty Savior seated on the throne, with God Almighty there at the midst of it, the control center of the universe, nothing is out of control. Everything is perfect, and we can have confidence in that. Do you understand? We sing about Christ our hope, right? Christ our hope in life and death. How do we have confidence? How do we have hope? Because Jesus, by his blood, by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection, gave you and I hope that one day, because God is in control and because we are his children, We can bow at his feet in heaven around the throne and not worry about anything ever again. He is in control. So let's look at three things that the Almighty does to help us to have confidence and hope. The first thing is that the Almighty is on his throne and nothing can thwart him. We see in this passage that it's it's God. I love that John first says, there's someone on the throne. Right, and we don't have to wait long before we find out who it is, because the uh, the four creature or the four creatures tell us, because they say night and day, never ceasing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That word Almighty is John's favorite phrase for God. It's the one he uses the most. So Jesus tells John, look behind the curtain over here. This is what's happening while you're in jail on Patmos, and these churches need to see this too. And so you write to them and tell them about this so that they will see that God is still on the throne. It may seem like the world's out of control, and it may make you tempted to to believe that he is not in control, but he is. And listen, can I just pause for a moment and just remind you that there is an enemy that you and I face 
There is an enemy that would love for you to doubt that God is on his throne, that God is who he says he is, that his love is available and for you. The enemy would love for us to doubt. In fact, this week there was a moment just in one of my days I woke up out of a dream and felt like the enemy was telling me, you're not worthy. You've done too much wrong. Who do you think you are? trying to be a pastor, trying to lead people to, me, to, to God. How, who do you think you are? You're not worthy of that. Thankfully, earlier that week, I had learned a new uh, prayer uh, thing that I had put in place, and it's called PACE. And uh, you, you, you actually have hand motions. It's very helpful. It, it helps me wake up. But I just roll over. I pray a specific prayer, and I have done that every day this week. And then I jump up and I say, I praise the Lord. That's P. I praise the Lord for who he is, and then I accept, A, I accept that he loves me, that his forgiveness is for me, that I am not worthy, but he gave it to me anyway, and I accept the free gift of his forgiveness. And then C, as you give control over to him, so you push those things out and say, Lord, take control of my life. And E, as you embrace the day and say, God, today... Let me do what you've called me to do. It's a simple exercise. And because I had been doing that, I could turn around and the enemy's lies to me. I could say, no, Christ died for me. You're right, I'm not worthy. You're right, I have screwed up. You're right, I have messed up pretty bad. But that's in the past. Jesus saved me. Jesus redeemed me. His blood covers me. And I accept that today. And I want you to remember that. Yes, there are times the world seems like it's out of control, and the enemy would love for you in those times to believe that God could care less about you. But friends, the scriptures tell us otherwise. This passage shows us otherwise, that God is on his throne. God loves you. Jesus died for you so that you could know him, so that you could have a relationship with this God, with this almighty one. And if you already know that, then you have assurance that you are accepted because of Christ. And friends, if you want to know that today, you can believe it today and receive it today. And this God loves you and would love for you to follow him as well. He's waiting for you to receive. And Paul, uh, Peter says, he does not wish that anyone would perish, but that all would have eternal life. And so he tarries so that more and more people can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe today is the day for you to say, you can be quiet, devil. Not today. I'm trusting Jesus Christ today, and I pray that you would. Y'all got that one for free. That wasn't even in my notes. Uh, so Jesus says, look, behold, come up here. He's, all these words, it, it, it just means to, to look upon, to see with your own eyes. And In this supreme headquarters, there is a throne that is occupied. It is not empty. It is occupied, and it is occupied by the Almighty. Why is the Almighty, why is John's favorite phrase, Almighty? Almighty One. Why is John's favorite phrase to call God Almighty? Because no one is more powerful than Him. No one is more powerful than our God. He is almighty. He trumps everyone else. He cannot be thwarted. He cannot be overthrown. Look at how John seeks to describe him. Uh, he's just trying to help us see what he sees. He says, in verse 5, he says, 
Well, in verse 3, it says, The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. He's just saying he's dazzling. He's amazing to look at. He says there's a rainbow coming out of his throne, which is, I I can't wait to see that. I would love to see that. Verse 5, he says, Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder come from the throne. And he says, Seven fiery torches were burning before him, on the throne, and which are the seven spirits of God, and the seven is the number of perfection. And so what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit is there with him, surrounding the throne. The Holy Spirit is there. God Almighty, the Holy Spirit. And in Revelation chapter 5, we see the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world come. And at this throne, the Godhead, the triune Godhead, is there for us to worship and honor and glorify. Imagine how that vision would have lifted John's spirit. He's, he's on the rocky island of Patmos, riding away because of his belief and faith in Jesus Christ. And people said, you can't do that. you got to go to jail. Imagine how that would lift his spirit to say, there's something better. There's something to come. Yeah, it seems like my life is out of control because I'm here on this uh, island of Patmos in jail for my faith, awaiting possible execution. Who, who knew? But he could say, there's something better that awaits me. There's someone better that awaits me. We've seen, um, he had seen so many of his, of his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ persecuted for the faith in Jesus and die because of it. And as Jesus said, he was the only one. Jesus said this before he, would, before he went, uh, ascended into heaven. He said that John would be the only one who didn't taste the death, uh, taste death by martyrdom like all the others had and Um, up until this point. So may this truth that the throne is real and is occupied, may this bring you confidence and lift your spirit as it lifted John's. This one in control is making all things new too. The next time that we hear his actual voice is in Revelation 21, 5. Here he said, look, look at this throne. Look at what's happening. Look what's about to come. In Revelation 21, 5, he says, Look, I am making all things new. This one in control makes all things new in your life and will make all things new in you as well. We have such great hope because the Almighty is on His throne and nothing can overthrow Him. Nothing can thwart Him. The second thing that we see is the Almighty is high and lifted up and worthy of our praise. Look at what happens around this throne. It's it's amazing. The Almighty is there in power, and everyone knows it. It says there are four creatures, right? And they're worshiping Him day and night. And it says they never stop saying these words. Now, the four creatures represent all of creation. It's just the four corners of all creation. That's what that represents. So what it's saying is that all creation worships our God. All creation worships the Mighty One, and they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy. Why three? It's always three. Every time you see it, holy, 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 right? Why? Because it is the essential, fundamental attribute of our God. Holy, holy, holy. It means that He is wholly different, Holy, unlike you and I. I can often, I often call it the unlikeness of God. His holiness is He is unlike anything else, anyone else. And the holiness or the unlikeness of God 
makes God transcendent and worthy of our praise. He's creator God. He's uh, magnificent in his glory and in his might. He is almighty, and because he is the most mighty, he is worthy of the most praise. He's worthy. He's transcendent. I'm reminded of God's words to Job in Job 38.4, and he says, Where were you, Job, when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. You see, God is worthy of our praise because he is God. He created all things. And as creator, he gets the position of, of ruling it all and being worthy of the praise that's due him. He is high and above and worthy of our praise, and we should praise him just because of who he is. Well, what I love we, that we see in this passage is not just that God, this God who created all things, who's worthy of all praise, is just high and transcendent and seated on this throne and unavailable to us at all. No, think about it. This throne in all of its glory, the rainbow, the peals of thunder, the flashing lightning, the carnelian stone, the jasper, all these things, this grand thing, there's a sea around it as well. All these things. Yes, that's magnificent. But what's happening around this throne? The 24 elders are bowing at the throne, worshiping. Who are, who are the 24 out, four elders? Well, 12 plus 12 is 24, isn't it? 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, 12 apostles. The representatives of all those born again by faith. You see, friends, they are there in humility, worshiping at his throne, representing you and I. This God who is transcendent above all things, more magnificent than we could ever imagine, welcomes mankind to come. Humankind gets to come and bow before him and worship him and be near him. You see, we have this hope, because, that, and that's our third point, is that the Almighty is wholly available to those who bow in humility, who believe in him, who trust in him. Not only is he transcendent, but he is fully approachable. The 24 elders, representatives of humankind, get to bow before the one on the throne. You and I are welcomed into this God's presence. You and I are beckoned to come to him. Paul tells us that we can approach his throne, what? Boldly, boldly. You and I can come to this God, and he wants us there. He loves us, and he wants us there with him, worshiping him in his presence. We are welcomed into his presence in our humility. This magnificent God in charge of all things is able to be touched and seen and held. You see, the one at the control center of the universe beckons us not to be afraid. Things may seem like they are out of control, but they are not. And he is capable, and we can come to him in confidence that he receives those who are his and who come to him humbly. I think we have to be careful 
Because I think it's very easy for us to come in to a church situation. And listen, let's put to bed the debate of, well, you know, I can be a Christian at home uh, in my living room. You can. You can do that. That's okay. But God designed it so that the body of Christ would come together and come to him together in humility, not just on our own. This is not an individualistic uh, Christianity. We're meant to do this in community. We see that in Scripture. Uh, simple, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as some do. There are other scriptures that help us to see that. But you can trust God, live for God, love God in your home, on your own, and he will accept you into his presence one of these days. I, uh, this is not a thing of like, you have to go to church to be saved. You don't. That's not how it works. But because you are saved, you should want to be here worshiping. Now, here's the other thing is that oftentimes we come in here those of us who come so often, it's very easy to get into a rut of, I go to church, I sing a few songs, I listen to Derek, ramble on, you know, whatever he's talking about, you know. Hopefully that's not you, okay? And then we leave, and we go, we got to get to lunch for the Methodists or the whoever's, right? And so, you know, all that kind of stuff. So don't go too long, Derek, right? So we get into that rut, right? And we, we sing songs, and we, we mouth those, or we might even sing them. And I don't, want you, I don't want you to hear this as like a, a rebuke. This is not a rebuke because this is something I have to remind myself of. But I should approach this God in humility. And I pray that week in and week out, what we become, we grow in and we strengthen is, is that I have no business being in his presence. But he beckons me to come. He loves me. And if that's the case, then we ought to be on our knees crying out to him, praising him for what he's done and what he will do. And we ought to be putting our trust in him and living our lives in the, the, the full knowledge and full confidence and full hope that he has done what he needed to do to accomplish our ability to be in his presence and with him. And my prayer is that we would come here week in and week out, and we not would, would not just sing some songs and hear the Word of God preached, but we would encounter this God who loves you, who died for you, who rose again for you, and is seated on a throne for you, and loves you, and wants you to be near Him and in His presence, though you have no business being there. And that's my prayer, is that we would truly come to humbly understand that we depend on him. So, let us now also bow before him, asking him to help us see that he's in control when we're not, and that when we come to him, the Almighty, he is in control. And won't you come to this Almighty One today? Won't you trust him today? Won't you follow him today? Won't you, won't you approach his throne today? Not because you're worthy. We've already established that. We're not. But because of Jesus, we're made worthy. He's worthy. And he's made us worthy. And so I pray, would you come to him today? Would you bow before him today? Bow before his throne today? If you're here today and you'd like to trust him as Savior, would you do that today? Would you call on the name of the Lord and be saved? He's beckoning you. He's calling you. Come. In him you find peace. In him you find rest. In him he is in control. 
when all things seem to be out of control. And he wants you to trust him today. That's a decision you have to make. I have to make. Will I trust? Will I follow? Will I believe? The question is for you. Will you trust him today? I'm going to pray. Our team's uh, going to lead us in a song. And if God is moving in your heart today, just come. You may not even know why. That's fine. We'll, we'll talk it through. We'll figure it out. But maybe you do. Maybe you know you need to trust Christ. I'd love to help you. I'd love to walk you into that. I'd love to walk you. As, as Jesus did with John said, hey, look, what's going on? I'd love to say, man, it's amazing what God has done. I want to show you. Certainly I'm not saying I'm anything like Jesus. I just want to show you just like he did. John, let's pray. God, work in our hearts, work in our lives today. Speak to us, Lord. Help us. Help us to fall before your throne, worship at your feet. No, you are in control. I love you, Lord. And I trust you to do what you have sought out to do already. Speak to our hearts, work in our lives, and help us to respond. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as you stand?